You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Welcome back to the show, Downers. My name is Matt Carter, and I know you know that. Today, I have a guest named Cedric Bertolini. Now, we're in double accent territory again. You've got me with my goofy-ass way of talking, and Cedric's a French guy, but he speaks great English, of course. He lives in San Francisco, and uh, he does a... I, I get into this problem in the podcast. I call it therapy, but it's not even a therapy that he does. It's called TP, T-I-P-I, and it's a French program that basically is a way of dealing with emotional trauma and emotional regulation. They say that you know anybody can live without fear or trauma, so this is a way of dealing with emotional dysregulation directly in, in the moment that they claim can really help you and eliminate what's going on and reintegrate your emotions fully in a very, very short time time frame as in like one session like in 30 minutes it can fix specific emotional trauma or dysregulated stuff but I'll, you'll I'll, you just have to listen to the episode to get into all of it but let me tell you why it's interesting to me because it's uh I, I just can't really say it another way than the way humans work and thinking about what brains do and what emotions do and how people behave rationally and irrationally is just very interesting to me and of course you know we talk about stuff like depression and anxiety and I'm always fascinated with why other people uh, react the way they do or, or, or deal with their emotions through escape or not be able to regulate them or avoid them and I'm, I'm susceptible to many of those things too but I seem to encounter it slightly differently than other people but it's a fascinating topic so I wanted to hear from him about this firsthand, and I just like to talk to people directly so I can express skepticism while also being open-minded and trying to learn um, at the same time. And this conversation is absolutely right up my alley, and I think you'll like it too. Uh, and let me tell you, if you want to go to CedricBertolini.com, that is his website. And then uh, the the website for TP is tp.pro, T-I-P-I.pro. So you can check those things out as you listen to the conversation here, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, some people, I got some feedback from Rockabilia, who's been sponsoring the show. I got to say thank you to them. I got some feedback that y'all been buying shit from them, so I'm really happy to hear that. That's great news, and we get 15% off from anything y'all buy at Rockabilia if you use the promo code. PC Jabberjaw. They've got rock and roll and music and pop culture memorabilia hats, t-shirts, posters, things like that. And, you know, you're always better off to wear a, a rancid hoodie than you are, you know, some boring hoodie that you bought at, I don't know, the Gap at least. So when you think about buying clothes, come up with something cool that expresses something you like artistically. And go get it at Rockabilly. Use the promo code PCJabberJaw, and that'll let you know we sent you, and it'll get you 15% off. Uh, hope you guys enjoy this episode. Let's get to it. Break it down, Dada. Break it down, oh, break it down. Break it down, oh, break it down. Break it down, oh, Do you, these 
days, do you spend your whole time doing teepees, your full-time thing? And you yeah. see, do you see clients all the time, like doing a practice, or are you more an evangelist and speaker about the method? <laughs> Uh, I think I'd be a bad evangelist. I don't know. Um, I uh, yes, it's my full-time job, mm-hmm. and uh, my job basically is two things. As you say, I uh, I receive clients on one-on-one. Most of the sessions are through Skype or or through phone, but I also have an office downtown San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So the first that's the first part of my job. The second part is really to teach professionals, such as therapists, doctors, nurses, coaches, mm-hmm. educators as well how to do this work for emotional regulations with kids, with their clients, with their patients. So I got a double activity, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of new to this method, but I've thought a good amount. I mean, I've done a lot of just personal thinking and observation about humans. Um, It's kind of of my area. Uh, Or it just has always been interesting to me how stuff works, really. I come from a background of more technical and then I find humans to be the most interesting thing. And I'm always wondering how they work and why they work the way that they do. So psychology and therapy and mental disorders have always just been completely fascinating. I, mean, I of course, have no training or anything like that or know what I'm talking about. But I just find it fascinating. It's just stimulating to me to think about. And so when I ran into TP, um, it's it's quite interesting to me. I want to give the listeners a, a quick update on it or, or explain what it is a little bit. I want you to, not me to. Um, and I'm trying to get it in the context of other therapies and psychotherapies. And then I'd okay. like to do some real example discussing of it. Um, but I will say that TP is a French acronym in the first place. Correct. Right? So it doesn't mean much as far as the, Nothing. going through the name of it. But could you give us a quick overview that you give to people about, you know, when, when people ask you what it is at a party, what do you tell them? Yeah. Well, TP, TP as you say, doesn't mean anything. It's an acronym. It's a French acronym. It's the name of the, um, the association, the company, the, the research program created by Luc Nicon, who is a French researcher. Basically, out of TP, we create our teaching programs. Mm-hmm. That's it. Uh, the guy who created TP, uh, is a French guy, called Luc Nicon, as I said, is a researcher. He's a researcher in behavioral sciences and pedagogy, which is the art of teaching. Your, so your audio speak. sounds fine. You don't have to hold the okay, microphone. Okay, good. I don't have to hold it? Great. Okay, good. good. Yep. Perfect. Just relax. Good. Um, basically, Luc is, is recognized in Europe for one main discovery, which is that he was able to demonstrate through study that every single human being has a physiology, physiological capacity for emotional regulation. Mm-hmm. He was able to prove that from a point of emotion, when you feel an emotion, sadness, anger, phobia, anxiety, when the emotion is in us, everything is triggered in the brain or in the mind to regulate it extremely quickly and permanently. But basically, the body is wired, is made to regulate our emotional stuff. Mm-hmm. Based on this discovery, what we did is we created several protocols that allow us to work with kids, allow us to work with adults, and that's what we do. That's what we do. Is help people emotionally regulate. Correct. And more than regulate, because sometimes people say, okay, I regulate myself all the time. Well, that's bullshit, because if you have to regulate yourself all the time, it's not regulated. It keeps on coming back. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we what we're doing is really we we we're going in for uh, for a resolution. That means like somebody is suffering from a pattern, let's say anxiety, 
Well, we're going to help them to regulate the pattern once and for all, because it's possible. And to answer your question with psychotherapy, uh, I'm not a therapist in any way. Uh, but you don't, you don't call TP a type of therapy? No, no, no. We're really trying to, to um, uh, diverse of that in the sense that we're not therapists. We didn't, we, we, our only expertise is understanding how emotions are stored in the brain mm-hmm. and how to allow the brain to regulate them, to resolve them. That's what we know how to do. Now, when it comes down to when it comes down to work with people to try to uh, help them to isolate the difficulty, to 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 do all that, uh, that's not what I do. If you will, I'm 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 uh, and people that I teach, we are at the end of the line. When somebody has an emotional pattern they want to resolve, they're ready to let it go. Mm-hmm. Then we can we can help them doing that. Okay, that's hard for me to grasp. But this isn't in a therapeutic context because it's I mean it it. I mean, is it not considered in a, a form of therapy in the broader sense that people, I mean, it's a technique to emotionally regulate, but it still you has can. a client and the advisor and there's still the relationship and it's still meant to untangle uh, ongoing emotional conflict in one's life? Yes, I mean, you are right. Yes, of course. The reason why we try to present it otherwise is because my goal and the goal of the people that I work with is to teach each individual how they can do the work on themselves by themselves. Mm-hmm. And you know, the idea is like to tell them, listen, you have that in you. This is unmagical. It's not something that we do to you. You can do it on yourself by yourself. Mm-hmm. And we can teach you how to do that for you to be autonomous. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, when you talk about therapy is always a therapy is always somebody who's going to go on and fix you. Uh, our, our dynamic is a bit different. Our dynamic is, okay, yes, we can help you to get better. But what we want is to teach you how you can do it on yourself, by yourself. So you're autonomous. So, well, that's one of the things that's really interesting, and we'll get more specific of it here as we go. But the one of the things I find fascinating about it is it's not that tricky. It's kind of straightforward. It doesn't take long. You say people can do it themselves, and you just tell them how to do it. So to to me, on one hand, I want to be very skeptical. I, I really, and I am, I, to, to be honest. I'm a skeptic is the way that I navigate things. Um, you do. And that's, so forgive me if I if I ask some questions that push in the opposite direction that you're going. But I will go ahead and say up front, what I like about it is it's relatively transparent. It doesn't seem that you're trying to build some big product thing. Of course, you have a career and everything, but it doesn't seem like you're trying to build some big movement or make some extraordinary claims or build a cult or anything, you know, nothing like that. And yeah. so, uh, and you seem to give it away and tell people go free for, you know, this is just a technique to, that, that may help you. You know, it, it gets squirrely to me to the degree of all the things that you say or claim that it can help permanently. And correct me if I'm wrong in 90 seconds, <laughs> it sounds absurd. Yeah, it is. It is. Sound, it sounds absurd, and it sounds like a scam. Um, but what? What? Do you, I mean, let's put it this way: when you catch yourself in the kitchen, mm-hmm. you cook, you know, and your wife calls your name, and you cut your you cut your finger. Okay, mm-hmm. you start bleeding, and okay, after few days, the cut is gonna heal. If you don't touch it, your cut is the cut is gonna heal. If you go to ski and you break a, you break a bone, after a few days, few weeks, few months, it will be healed. We take it for granted. 
the body does it, we take it for granted. If we let the body do its work, if we skip the, the bone static, you know, for, for us not to move, the body will heal. No problem with that. It's integrated in our life. No problem. Mm. Now, when it comes down to emotion, we think that we have to work for years on an anxiety, on an anger issue, on depression. It doesn't make any sense. The body has the same place when it comes down to emotion. Then it comes down to breaking a bone or cutting your, cutting your flesh. And that's the same thing. And you're right to be skeptical. I mean, I was very skeptical. That's not my first career. I was having my own career, no, no problem. And the reason why I decided to, to shift is because I experienced the work on myself by myself. So I always tell people, please be skeptical. Of course be skeptical. I'm telling you that, that something you've been suffering for years, you can actually resolve in a few minutes. It's, it's the least you can do is to be skeptical. That's why when I receive clients, uh, they don't pay me per session. They pay me for the regulation of the difficulty. How, explain that, what you mean by that. For example, somebody who comes because they want to work on an anxiety. Well, they will pay me for me to resolve the anxiety for them or with them. Not for how many sessions they're going to work with me for. It's a no. flat fee and if it's done, it's done. Exactly. Yeah. I can work with you for one, two or three sessions if necessary. It's rare, but it can happen. It's but you're rare not going to you ever have to have a third session, you're saying. This is correct, yeah. Well, see, that's not good business. That'd be like if I gave guitar lessons and I taught you everything you need to know in the first 45 minutes and I'm out of business. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. It's a terrible business model. It's terrible. But you know, uh, most, most of my, uh, my income comes from uh, teaching, mm -hmm. teaching therapists, teaching coaches, uh, teaching educators. Um, and, you know, right now we're working in Marin County. It's a, it's a county up, uh, up uh, north of San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And we are, we are teaching 40. We taught 30 this year. Next year we're teaching 40 special ed teachers to do this work with the kids. And, and the teachers are baffled with the result they see with the children. Okay, well, let's, let's okay, we, it, sounds, it sounds too crazy still here, so now we have to get specific or people are going to start to get frustrated. So let's take it. the, I'll tell, I'll tell you about a friend I have. I have a friend who is having, okay, I got two friends I want to tell you about, and you tell me how this would work for them. One of them is somebody that I've been friends with for a long time, and mm -hmm. he's depressed, he suffers from depression, it's been a, a huge problem. And so when I think about him and the different things that he's tried or the ways I've thought about it and things like that, it seems to be, like you're saying, of course you have a normal emotion, you regulate it, but this seems to be what I'd consider chronic or disordered. Mm -hmm. And so whatever the cause of it, which I imagine is a very complex, deep thing that's been with the whole life, both behavioral and, uh, you know, neuro, just the neurological state and the chemicals and everything else seem to play into it. it yep. You know, how, I mean, are you saying that you can cure him in the half hour session and he never is depressed again? That just, that's, I'm having a hard time with that. How would you approach that specific but that's situation? A, that's a great question because as you said, this guy has been depressed for a long time, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, if I tell you in one session, we're going to, we're going to let go of the whole thing that he has been struggling for 30 years, I'd be lying. Okay. And that's not, that's not, that's not right. Um, but in his life, this guy, under the umbrella, so to speak, of depression, he has several emotions, okay? okay. Uh, depression, we can say the two main pillars of depression is no will and no energy. Okay. okay? So we will have to take, to take your friend 
uh, we have to talk to him and see what what does he call depression in his life. Mm-hmm. Is there uh, is there um, well no will no energy there will be one. Yep. Uh, is there anger? Is there self pity? Is there uh, social anxiety? Is there you know all these can be different things that we put under the under the the, the yeah the umbrella of depression. Uh-huh. The way that we'll be working is one thing at a time. I'm not a magician. I'm not a magician, and it's it's really one thing at a time. We'll have to to see what is the impact of the depression in his life, and one by one go on and resolve whatever he sees being a problem in his life. Okay, so let's. But if you could train him to do it, and then he can continue to apply it to all of the multitude of emotions that fall into the category of depression. This is correct. Okay. Yeah. You're so let's right. choose one of those. Um, what would be an example of one that you that, that makes sense of you know how to do and that may, may fall in that category? Okay. Let's say that um, you know with depression, it's it's uh, it's different for everybody. What's quite common is when when a, when a guy wake up, for example, like he wakes up, he open his eyes, and while well, maybe you look at his window, it's like fuck. You know, it's like wow, it's still there. You know, the depression mm-hmm. comes and wow, squish them. For some people, is when they get up and they got their first cup of coffee, they sit down at the, at the kitchen table, and they're like, "Wow, it's right here." Okay, what I will do is, I will ask him for a situation when he felt the depression in him. You say, "Well, you know, man, it's simple. You know, I, uh, I was in my bed, I turned over, I saw my wife, and it's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, I feel it." You know. Mm-hmm. Okay, I will ask him for a specific time what that happened to him. From this specific time, maybe it was yesterday when I woke up. From the specific time, we're going to retrigger the emotion. So how do we do that? It's a it's a it's a process that we do. We it's easy to retrigger emotions in someone. So we'll be retriggering the emotion. As we retrigger the emotion, your friend is going to feel some sensations in the body. You're going to try and bring back and reconjure those exact feelings that he had. To, to Absolutely. Then, to yep. then exploit that. Yeah. Okay. And when you start from a specific situation, let's say uh, anger, even somebody who comes from an anger pattern, I would ask for a specific time when they felt angry. From this specific time, we're going to retrigger the, what we call the, the limbic system, the sensory memory, and the body is going to generate physical sensations. Mm-hmm. So you've now, you know, in a scientific brain terms, you've kind of reconfigured the neurological configuration to be the same as uh, it is in that distress time. That's all we do. Mm-hmm. That's all we do. Basically, you know, how do we know that we feel depressed? Or how do we know that we feel anxious? What do you think? Um, how do we know that? Well, this is a good question. And I have heard you talk about it a little bit. But I, w- I imagine that the I imagine that most people think that they're depressed because of what they're thinking. Yeah. Or angry correct. because of they I'm thinking these angry thoughts because this person has uh and anger seems more clear here to talk about than depression. But so if that's easier, that's fine. But I'm angry because my wife said something disrespectful to me and I am mad about it. And I'm thinking about what she said and I'm thinking what she did to me and why it's not right and why it's not fair. And I'm angry. Like yep. that. Yep. And the thing is, the anger or the thought process is feeding out of the emotion. Right? If you keep on thinking about your wife, what your wife said, and, and that's not right. And that's not fair. It's in your mind is because it's feeding out of out of the emotion. Mm-hmm. Now, something that your wife will tell you, let's say um, your wife tells you something that really makes you angry, and my wife tells me exactly the same thing, 
and I will find it funny. Mm-hmm. We we all have different way to to um, uh, react to life situation, to people telling your stuff, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But the 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 way that you will know that you're angry is when your wife is gonna tell you something that you feel hurtful. Bam! You're gonna have a set of physical sensation right away. That's gonna come. Slack. You're gonna have tensions in your body. Those tensions are triggered by the limbic system and the endocrinian system. Mm-hmm. Your wife says something, bam, you have intention in your body, and all you want to do is explode. Yes. Or you try to control yourself, but fuck, you know, it's difficult. Mm-hmm. Okay. The thing is, if you become angry, it's because you had physical sensations in your body that came right away. Mm-hmm. An emotion, uh, you probably heard that before, an emotion, all it is, or an emotion only happens when our cognitive brain cannot manage, cannot control physical sensations in our body. Okay. That's what an emotion is. Okay. Now, I would like to spend more time here, but let's. I want to come right back to exactly where we are now, but I would like for you to continue on to the actually how the therapy works just so that people get a grip on it. But I want to come right back to what we're talking about here about emotions and the cognitive part and the deep part of the brain. Very fascinating. But so – then what do you do in the therapy in the in the thirty minute session or the ninety seconds yeah. of it or whatever it's going to be? Yeah, it's it's um, it's simple to a fault. Basically, what Luc Nikon, my boss, found is that the physical sensation that we feel during an emotion mm-hmm. create a direct path, a direct bridge to the origin of the problem, to the origin of the difficulty. Mm-hmm. And that to follow the physical sensations without trying to control them or understand them are going to allow the brain to integrate an information that was up until then trapped. Okay. You see, uh, our emotions, emotional responses, I should say, are stored in what we call the archaic brain. The which what is brain? Uh, archaic. Archaic brain, like the, the primitive okay. brain. That's it. Okay. That's it. Basically, it's the reptilian brain right. and the limbic system. Mm-hmm. Huh? Okay. It is impossible to reach this part of the brain intellectually. Right. You can do 30 years of therapy. You're not going to reach it. It's you can understand. It's not the prefrontal part. Exactly. Yeah. That's not the neocortex. Right. That's not the pre- No, it's not. That's why you can go on therapy for 30 years and talk about your depression, your anger issue, or, or your mommy issue. Mm-hmm. You can talk about it for 30 years, and it will not go away. It will help you to understand it, to control it, mm-hmm. to keep it at bay, but it will still be going on inside. Okay. So what we do is we don't, our, my work is absolutely not cognitive. I, I let my, my client as far away from the intellect as I can. We're only going to use the physical sensations to reconnect with the origin of the problem. Okay. How do you do That's what we do. Well, it's simple. So let's say somebody comes to see, let's say anger, for example. I will, we will re-trigger the anger and the person will feel anger for like a second, nothing, nothing more. There's no emotional resurfacing during a session. Mm-hmm. The person will feel the anger. At this point, he will have his eyes closed. I will just ask him what sensations he feels in his body. Okay. Those so as soon as they trigger the emotion, they get angry. You make them think about what their wife said until they feel the anger or something. And then you tell them to focus on their not what they're thinking, no thinking allowed. You are just going to... Notice your That's bodily it. sensation. That's it. You're going to notice three physical sensations, not one, not two, three physical sensations. That's, that's technical. It's not the rem- it doesn't really matter. Anyway, from this point on, when someone is in touch with the physical sensations, 
if they stay in touch with the physical sensations, those are not going to stay static. They're going to start to evolve. They're going to start to move inside the body. We call that the evolution of the sensations. Mm -hmm. Most people don't know that because when we are angry, we react. So we scream, we try to control. When we are depressed, we try to cope the way that we, we can with it. But very little of the people that actually, when they feel an emotion, stop, pay attention to the sensations, and just observe the physical sensations in their body. Mm -hmm. First of all, you can try it at home. If you're angry, that's your wife says something which is hurtful, and you become angry. If you just stop and you pay attention to your physical sensations, your anger is going to stop right away. Right away. Just and the because reason you're is, noticing what's called, just, like you're saying it's Go ahead, you say it. <laughs> no, 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 you say it, say it, say it. You're, you're going to notice, this is what I want to get back to, so we'll just do that now, but it's, it's you, I understand already about the brain, that the primitive brain, and the, like, uh, so this is how I had previously understood it, if this makes sense, is um, you know how when you get scared of something or somebody startles you, or if you see a snake behind a log, your body will jump and react and take care of that problem long before you can say, oh, there's a snake. I think I should jump out of the way. So, And, and that, I know neurochemically, they trace those pathways, and they actually happen in you know way less than half the amount of milliseconds it takes for your brain to do the cognitive processing. So your brain subconsciously, because it's not part of your consciousness, is acting on your behalf and causing you your actual not only to feel tense in a general way it causes your legs to flex and jump and bolt out of the way before you've ever been able to identify or name the threat so it's clear that Absolutely. our brains um operate on that level more fundamentally and faster than everything doesn't have to go through our thinking part of our brain so i suppose our thinking part of our brain can really become our enemy in the sense that it's I don't know, maybe overdeveloped and you're not able to access those other parts of your brain that are actually controlling. And so you're saying, which I've not done this thinking before this, you're saying as it relates to emotions that you, your emotions are emergent. I don't know if that's the right word from physical sensations that your body has evolved to cause like if, if you become angry that's for some evolutionary reason to deal with a situation and it manifests by making you whatever it is tense feel like you're going to explode get you ready to act and fight should you need to start punching in a whatever it is your body's ramping up for this before you ever get to thinking about it correct right? you're absolutely right okay. you're absolutely right and and so let's say you feel anger let's take anger because it's easy mm -hmm. when you feel when you feel angry like your wife says something and wow Okay. <laughs> if you just like close your eyes and pay attention to your physical sensations, the simple fact to do that will stop your emotional reaction. It's, Why? You're, because you're just actively shutting off the thinking, though, right? Is that correct? The... Yes, you're absolutely right. What's happening is an emotion, so to speak, what we call emotion, is already an intellectual uh, response. I would say of a physical set of sensations. Mm -hmm. As human beings, we cannot be in an emotional response and in touch with our physical sensations. We can do that in the same time. Why not? I'm trying to, what's an example of the, of the, of the two there? Uh-huh. Let's say I'm angry because you said something that hurt my feeling. If I stop and pay attention to my physical sensations, I might feel like my throat is tight, my face is hot, mm -hmm. and I have the feeling that somebody punched me in the stomach. Yeah. Well, as I'm, as I'm paying attention to those sensations, 
my anger is gone. Now I'm just in touch with the physical sensations in my body. I'm now in touch with my sensations, my emotion, I can say, on the most primal way possible. Mm-hmm. Instead of being angry, now I become intimate, so to speak, with what is to be angry. Physical okay. sensations. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. Let me think about that a second. So that, to me, feels like you're zooming in, like a different zoom level on a map or a, or something on a computer or, or something. If you're zoomed all the way down to the fundamental level, you're there, there is no anger. There are just a culmination of physical sensations that precipitate an emotion, which is anger, which is at the higher level. If you're zoomed out and you're thinking, if you're focused there, then you can feel angry. And then if you zoom farther out from that, you're able to like analyze it and talk about it and talk about why I'm angry and what my mommy did. And all, you know, and I'm going to tell myself not to be angry, which of course won't work. (laughs) And that you're, you're right. And those are, you can't be in, you're in one of those three states at any given moment. The lowest, that one you're talking about there though, to me, just sounds like you're talking about mindfulness and meditation down at the sensational part of it you are the beginning now okay you have the emotion and you're right instead of like wow screaming instead of putting it out there and throw it on somebody else what you zoom in sensations in your body that's just the beginning that's not regulating anything that's the first step of the process you pay attention to your sensations the regulation happens or the resolution happens when one is able to be connected with the physical sensations and let the sensations evolve, let the sensations do what they're supposed to do, basically, without trying to control them mm-hmm. or without trying to understand what's happening inside. Mm-hmm. The resolution of the difficulty, the resolution of the emotional difficulty happens when somebody is able to, able is just feeling the physical sensations evolving in the body without trying to control them or without trying to understand, basically consciously surrendering to the physical sensations in the body. Mm-hmm. This process, this process, if you, if you look at Luke's study, what, what it does is as you follow the physical sensation in your body, you're basically reaching out the origin of the emotional difficulty, but in the, in the, reptil, in the, in the archaic brain. Mm-hmm. The simple fact to do that allow an information that was trapped until then and creating an emotional response. Are you saying to the be thinking is stopping your brain from processing it? Like you, you're yep. not able to do the regulation because your brain is not, I mean, your cognitive part of your brain is not allowing it? You're absolutely right. You're not putting the attention where it's supposed to be. Okay. And, and I, will go in, I will go even further. You know, then uh, uh, nowadays, uh, at least in California, but I'm pretty sure it's everywhere, right? When you're upset or when you're nervous, uh, people teach us to take some deep breath, right? Right. That's what I was going to say. It sounds like a cartoon. Like, you know, when I was little and I watched cartoons and the rooster gets super mad, he has to count. He fills up with redness all the way to his head and he has to count to 10 and it it goes down when he counts to 10. I mean, is that the heart of this therapy? But Not that's therapy, a sorry, I didn't mean to call it therapy. You know, it doesn't, matter, it, doesn't matter, it doesn't matter, you know. At the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. I, I will say it's the contrary that we're trying to do. Every time you actually do something to calm down, uh, taking some deep breath, until until 10, uh, smoking a joint because you're too stressed after your day, or uh-huh. having a glass of wine. If you do anything to control the physical sensations in your body, you're stopping this natural capacity for emotional regulation. 
So all the deep breath that we have been people have been telling us to do, count till until ten. Uh, visualize, I don't know, visualizing a, a beautiful forest, whatever it is. All this is counterproductive when it comes down to regulate and resolve an emotional difficulty. Okay. Okay. So on one hand, it, it seems like the counting to 10 thing is very similar to what you're saying though. It's just like, stop, just let, but you're saying that even that is still an attempt and you're counting and you're just saying bottle, either bottle it up or let it fade or escape. I guess escape's got to be the main thing we'd like to do, um, yep. to avoid it. But you're saying to embrace the feelings or something at least, right? To, to, um, the best way to say it is to consciously surrender to what's happening in the body, mm -hmm. to let the sensations evolve. That's something that we never do. That's something that we never do. We never, when we're angry or depressed or anxious, stop, pay attention to the sensations, and basically listen to the body. Uh, see what the sensations are doing by themselves. If you don't do anything to control your sensations, I mean, uh, don't take my word, uh, try it. If you don't do anything to control your sensation and you just pay attention to them and observe them as they move into your body, first of all, those sensations are not going to be nice at all. It's going to be quite uncomfortable. Yeah. And so when we're escaping or talking ourselves out of it or something, we're avoiding the, the discomfort. You got it. Mm -hmm. And this evolution, if you, if you don't touch the sensation, you just observe them. When you do it in the moment, this evolution will never take longer than one minute. That's just that just is where that's just where I, it, you lose me or something. I don't. You're saying if you're angry, and you pay attention to the anger, you don't get angry anymore. Correct. You don't get angry now. Uh, then again, I got to be precise. You don't have only one anger in your life. Okay. You can feel angry when your wife tells you something. You can feel angry on the road if somebody cut in front of you. You can feel angry when you see angry when you see the uh, the news, for example. I'm not saying that one session on yourself will kill all the anger in your life. You might have to do two, three, or four interventions or different angers that you have in your life. Mm -hmm. Now, if when your wife tells you something hurtful, you feel the same anger than when somebody cut in front of you on the road, but that you start from how you felt when you have a conversation with your wife or that you start from how you feel in the car, you're going to go to the same route, man. But You won't need to do... But on the other hand, I shouldn't I be a little angry when she said, you know, calls me a bad name? Like, what, what I just can't get angry anymore? It's like, I don't know. Like, no, what? it's not because. No. <laughs> Go ahead, call no, me no. all the names you want. I can't get mad anymore. I mean, that seems like that doesn't sound like that makes sense to me. Like, you, you should have anger sometimes for some good reasons. Yeah, of course. But when you, when you see something which is unfair, when, when you hear something which is unfair, you will you will receive the information that's not right. Mm -hmm. you, will, you, will, you, will, you will feel that it's not right and you will be able to speak it up, speak it out. But the actual anger that stick with you for several minutes, several hours, sometimes days, yeah. you know the guy at the family table that bring every single year for Thanksgiving the same topic and, and is upset about the same thing again and again and again, that's not normal. Yes. That's okay. not necessary. Right. So that's what I'm kind of interested in is and I, how do we get these, you know, real disorders where it's super chronic kind of a thing going? Like is there is there any implicit thing in, in this work that, that demonstrate how does it get out of whack? Like some people get 
angry and have anger problems. I don't really. I actually don't. Um, it's, <clears throat> but I get angry occasionally. I'm not worried about it. I, I'm not in the situation where I think I have an anger problem and want to deal with it. Yeah. Uh, do, is that different? I mean, is there or do you have any sense of, of wh- how things get disordered in people where they can't? the causes of disordered thinking or emotional regulation. Some people cannot emotionally regulate. Like that's very clear if you are around yeah. them and some people can. Yeah, absolutely. And, and for the, the one who cannot emotionally regulate, that's, that's when, that's where this work, right? Um, do people have to feel anger? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure, but uh, it's, it's, it's like you said, if, People who come to see me are people who notice that they have uh, anger issues. Yeah. yeah right. And it, it can be like, uh, I see a lot of moms, actually. You know, moms who are getting super angry with their kids, and they feel terrible about it because they know they shouldn't. Mm-hmm. But like when the kid is choosing between the red and the white shoes in the morning, and we're late, oh, yeah. you know, like at some point, like, wow. You know, some dads, some moms loses it. It's like, ah, you know, and, <laughs> yeah, you and, and they don't want to. Maybe I do have and a then they problem feed. now that I think about it. It drives me crazy. <laughs> so you can call me 415. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so so they, uh, they feel bad. And after that, the kid cries and says, like, I'm so sorry, you know. And, yeah. But they keep on repeating yeah, every single exactly. day. So that, you know, when you're repeating uh, undesired behavior, you're disordered there. Like, you, it doesn't, it's not healthy. It's not helping you. And you're repeating it. And it's clearly controlling you. That's emotional, emotionally unregulated. That's not necessarily saying somebody has a mental disorder. But no. that's a persistent issue. That's like, a that's a recurring pattern. But is it a wound? Is it is the origin of that anything that you comment on? Like how how do we get that way? Is that something you deal with at all? Uh, well, I can't. That's that's not my work. It's Luke's work, so I can I can tell you about his research if you want. Mm-hmm. But and it's not only him. It's uh, it's only it's all other um, neuroscientists and such. Basically, what they found is that in order to have an emotional pattern, you know, again and again and again, it can be anxiety, depression. Uh, at the root of it, at the origin of a pattern, is what they're going to call an unwilling short loss of consciousness. Basically, a moment when the body function shut down. Uh, these moments when the body function shut down doesn't really happen very often uh, when we are an adult, a child, or a teenager. Like but that hap- going Go unconscious ahead. or passing out or going in a coma or having a concussion. Correct. For example, that's an example. Uh, also, uh, in uh, in an adult life, if somebody is going through a very high trauma, you know, mm-hmm. and there is a disassociation, the cortisol level, among other things, is going super high. Uh-huh. There is a disassociation oh, that happens. Okay. That that would be considered as sorry as, as well as a an unwilling short loss of consciousness. But those unwilling short losses of consciousness happen a lot in utero during pregnancy and at birth. Okay. So they tend to think now that over 90% of our emotion are already in us, emotions are already in us at birth, waiting to be triggered by life situations. Hmm. Wow. Okay. That's new to me. I had to think for a second there. So you're saying that our emotions are some kind of that confuses me on whether our emotions are by design or if they're errors or blips. 
you know, caused by what some phenomenon. You just ain't going unconscious. That you lose me a little bit there. For me, um, for me, emotions are just archaic traces. Uh, by going unconscious, when it comes down to uh, uh, in utero or birth, it's extremely common. Uh, in uh, in the womb, for example, we often have. It's common to have a nut in the umbilical cord, for example, you know, because the baby is moving, the the mommy is moving, and nuts are forming in the umbilical cord. Okay, if if the baby is moving a certain way, or the mom, if the umbilical cord is short, for example, the nut can close up, no more oxygen is passing, and the baby is passing out for a few seconds until the nut is opening up again. That's hard to even think about. <laughs> and 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 at birth as well, you know. Yeah. Most most kids are born unconscious, just because I mean the pressure they feel, you know, going out. The umbilical cord can be tense. Very often, the doctor has to reanimate them. It's normal. And so, according to Luke, and that's not my work again, eh, but according to Luke, uh, those loss of consciousness stay carved in our archaic brain as moment of death, so to speak. Trauma. Trauma, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I've heard other theories about talking about childbirth being the ultimate trauma. I have heard that concept before, but not uh, the rest of that or that deeply. But I've heard of that. And then I think the other thing that you make sense, I still don't understand the connection yet, but um, I, I, I do I understand that. the trauma. Like imagine another real common one. Like we know people that have been, and I don't know that there's a bigger problem in the universe than childhood sexual abuse, for instance. We know that causes trauma and the likelihood of somebody who has experienced that having emotional regulative problems in adulthood is very high, for yeah. instance. And that one, I suppose, happens when you if something is so traumatic, the cortisol level is so high or whatever goes on in the brain that, that you do even dissociate. Like maybe you don't go unconscious like while you're getting abused, but you certainly, you always hear people talking about I was out of my body. I left. I wasn't there. I dissociate when this happens. What you know, that kind of thing. Absolutely, that for me is very much similar as a loss of consciousness. It will do the same thing in the brain. Which is what? That's the part I don't understand still. Mm -hmm. What it what it does is isolating a block of information. You know, uh, informations are going in our in our brain, going from neuron to neurons, right? Mm -hmm. And they're going from neuron to neurons uh, through synapses, synapses, mm -hmm. synapses. I don't know. Yeah, either synapses. way, yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay. What what seems to happen, but it's very difficult to prove. And once again, this is not my research, but what seems to happen is when there is a very high level of stress or loss of consciousness, what it does, and it's right here at that time when there is a disassociation, for example, it burns the synapses around a block of neurons. So the amnesia, the disassociation, the loss of consciousness create the synapses around the block of neuron to burn. Mm -hmm. To basically, you're going to isolate an information. This information is now isolated. It cannot be integrated by the rest of the brain. Cannot be integrated with the rest of the neuronal system. So now this information is trapped, isolated. It's like a nylon. If you want, it's like a nylon in, in an all every... Um, how do you say that in English? It's like an island in a, in a, in a sea of information that keep on adding to our life. Uh -huh. You know, this information will never be able to be reset. Mm -hmm. It cannot be integrated in everything we're learning, everything else we, uh, we we're learning in our life. It's isolated. But what we what we do is, when we follow the physical sensations in our body, 
during an emotion is allowing this island, this blocked information, to be reconnected to the rest of the sea. To dissolve. It dissolves. Mm -hmm. It's integrated. It's, it's now a part of our life. Instead of reacting out of an archaic event, and when I say reacting, it's not consciously, it's the body reacting. Huh? Because the context, because the parameter of, so, of what's happening today in your life is making your archaic brain thinking that it's a danger of death. Yeah. It's a, it's a, yeah. it's, that's what's going on. The last so time you that on... this happened to me, I died or thought I was going to die or died for a second or figuratively speaking, whatever. It was tr so traumatic that my association with this very, very narrow emotion, which is a set of physical sensations anyway is so scary and toxic to me that I will for sure control it talk myself out of it escape from it avoid it at all costs and therefore never you know integrate yeah correct it's a, it's a survival it's a survival thing uh, from this point on you know um, and I will go a bit further you, you were asking me okay what is the the connection between the physical sensations and this trapped emotion what is it okay so if you if you go into Luke uh, research, what he what he um, what he talk about, what he says, what he he tried to demonstrate is very difficult to demonstrate it. But is that what seems to happen are the physical sensations that were felt right before loss of consciousness, right before loss of um, um, a disassociation. Mm -hmm. Those physical sensations stay trapped. Basically, they stay trapped in this block of information, right? In this block of uh, on this isolate information. Uh, what we what we think is happening is that the physical sensation you feel during an emotion, this first set of sensation that cannot be controlled by the neocortex, those physical sensations were the last sensations felt by the body right before a loss of consciousness, or right before a disassociation. Yeah. And the fact to re-experience them consciously from today perspective, and letting them run their course specifically allow the brain to reintegrate this information we just talked about earlier. So I'm going to repeat it to make sure it's clear. Okay. The physical sensation that we feel during an emotion and that we're going to follow uh, when we do an, a regulation, apparently were the last sensations felt by the body before loss of consciousness or before disassociation. Mm -hmm. And the fact to re-experience them, integrate the emotion once and for all. Okay. I think I can make a little bit of sense out of that model in my head, at least as a functional way of thinking about emotions and sensations and, uh, you know, trauma. The, all, all those things kind of, you know, I still, like you said, there's low cost to try this. So if we try it, we can try it. But And uh, I got another example I want to go through. Let's do that, and then there's then I'll have a couple more skeptical questions after that. But let's do another real example. I have another friend who is yeah. not chronically this way. However, found herself in a position of acute anxiety over a big life decision to move to another city, which she's decided to do and is now completely panicked, sleepless, not able to eat, that she's made the wrong decision, that's not actually what she wanted, and paralyzed after having made the decision in the first place in what seems to be re in a reasonable way. And so now she's struggling with this, this, this anxiety yeah. and uh, sleeplessness, et cetera, et cetera. But she can, she can regulate that. She can Please regulate that. You know? She can try it. Well, you know, when she feels basically, yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Like if you were I'd doing say, this, I mean, you know, whatever. Just like you're in front of her, so yeah. Just say it one more time. Let's go through this one. Okay, so if she does a session with me, I will do it with her, but she doesn't need me. Okay. When she feels the anxiety, let's say she's uh, she's going to bed at night, and wow, it's it's in her mind. She can't sleep. She's stressed. She's mad at herself. What she's gonna do is to sit up in her bed, sit up, close her eyes. Pay attention to her physical sensations, two to three physical sensations happening in her body. Mm-hmm. When she's going to do that, the anxiety will stop right away. She's now just with sensations. And what do you mean by right away? means like once she pay attention to the three sensations, she's not in her mind anymore. She's not having a monkey in her head mm-hmm. telling her that she, did the converse, the, 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 she took the wrong decision, etc. No, no. If you put your attention into your physical sensations, your monkey in your head stops. You cannot be in attention with the monkey and with the sensations. Impossible. Yeah. And that's where we're back to meditation, basically, there. So that that makes me feel like this is a form of or under the umbrella of mindfulness or meditation. But and but don't people find that really difficult in itself? Like they say, oh, I'm trying to meditate. They tell you, focus on your breath. And you go, I'll try. But then, you're, of course, your mind is used to wander. I mean, isn't that a very difficult discipline to only pay attention to something like a physical sensation or a breath and not let your mind go? Because that's what everybody's complaining about. I can't stop my mind from going here. This is the problem. I'm willing to say that. Uh, but first, let me uh, finish to help your friend. Okay, yes, sorry. She feels the anxiety. <laughs> she sit up. She close her eyes. She pay attention to her physical sensations, three, two or three. And then she's just going to be curious of what's happening in her body. Just let those sensations do what they're supposed to do. Just observe consciously the physical sensations as they move inside of their body, the same way that she'd be watching a movie, mm-hmm. you know? Like she watched the three protagonists doing things in their body, maybe... Uh, I don't know. Let's say that. Okay, let's, let's be precise. She's anxious. She sits up. She closes her eyes and she pays attention to a sensation and she feels like a uh, throat is tight. She has a headache and she can breathe. She takes very subtle breathing. She's just going to pay attention to that. And uh, the throat is closing more and more. She can breathe at all. The headache is now going down behind her eyes toward her jaw. She still can breathe. She was shaking. Now the shake stopped. The breath came back in. The jaw relaxes, the headache is gone, throat is opening up, she has saliva in her mouth again, she can open her eyes. Okay, well thank you for going through that in in that detail like that. Now, that seems reasonable to me. Mm-hmm. As but, a way to handle that moment, but I don't yeah. understand you if you're claiming that that moment now doesn't come back and she doesn't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah, basically what I'm what I'm claiming, so to speak, is that the way she felt in the bed at that moment, uh-huh. the way she felt when she decided to go through the process, she will not feel again. Now, again, from that decision, she might have other stuff. She might be angry at herself. She might be angry at her husband because that's his fault because he wanted to do that. 
Okay, once again, one regulation is going to regulate the way you felt at the moment that you did the regulation. When she was feeling in the bed, when she sit up and went through the process, she will not feel anymore. So, but during that process, and you took, you did it in detail there, and basically what I assume could be real time, but it could be a little bit longer than that. Like you, that Correct. probably was 25 seconds for you. It can go, it can go up to a minute, which is a long time when you stay with sensations. Huh? Yeah. Well, it's hard for people to meditate for a straight minute. That's what I'm saying. Like during that time where your headache went down a little bit, but your throat was still closed, it's very hard not to also think, should I call 911? Do I need some medicine? Is this even going to work? You know, that like you're, if you if you can't if you're doing that it's, you're not doing the therapy yet like you haven't succeeded right like you had to start over or how does that work correct if you if you jump back into your head to say oh i wonder if that's working well what did i why do i have to buy tomorrow the grocery shopping well, yeah if we do that that's not going to work right it's what what we're dealing with here matt is really a natural capacity the same way than sleeping is a natural capacity mm-hmm. it's nothing more magical than sleeping the body is supposed to do it except that we need to be conscious as it's happening in us. Mm-hmm. But I want you ask a very good question about meditation, and the, it's a, something that keeps on coming back. How this is different from meditation? Meditation is difficult for a lot of people because when you sit down and meditate, I can't meditate for shit. When you sit down and meditate, uh, you're not you're not emotionally triggered most of the time. You create I a see. little bubble, good and point. that's you're gonna sit down at 8 p.m. before you go to bed to meditate. And meditation is not emotional regulation. You meditate because you meditate. That's a different practice. Okay. Now, if you're triggered and you have, you know, once again, if you're triggered because you have sensations in your body, they're there. They are, they are proeminent. They are active in your body, which make it much easier so to follow easier those sensations. because you have such strong sensations by virtue of the process time you've chosen, which is what we're trying to exploit, is finding or re-triggering or naturally occurring the really strong emotion. Once you do have those body sensations, you're saying it's not actually that difficult to focus on them because they're very pervasive anyway. You're absolutely right. That's exactly it. And and once again, meditation is one thing. Yoga is one thing. Uh, and emotional regulation is something else. Uh, I know plenty of people who went through uh, the emotional regulation training with TP. And all meditators, it's it's a different thing. It's just okay. Yeah. Well, the the last bit of skepticism I have here is that it just sounds again all that anything sounds too good to be true probably is and everything. And in your analogy that you use of uh that this can let's see the analogy you used was that if your bones break and they heal or if you have a scab but your body heals and your body heals naturally and that's what we're taking advantage of here but i mean you can have your bones break and your body crush and die i mean there's things that are beyond i mean you can die from physical trauma you don't heal from everything lots of stuff you don't so when you when you say that this Mm. can fix a ptsd which is just such a horrific state to be in almost seems almost irreparable from everything i understand about it it's like you know, and depression usually is lifelong with people. And my gosh, there's so many billions of dollars put into these conditions by the scientific community and elsewhere, you know, for you to say that you, you, you could fix them if you just do this sounds reductive or almost hurtful or insulting to those people. Like, well, I tried that. And, that, and you know, like, you know, it almost feels like you're going to make them feel bad if it, Surely, some uh, a soldier has come back that's just got severe PTSD. Isn't just like, well, think about 
that trauma and it's, it'll be gone. I mean, that just sounds, surely you can be not helpable by this. Maybe it's for. Yes, you're right. You're absolutely right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Uh, but that's, that's not, for example, how we will approach PTSD. I mean, other people um, you, that you're like, oh, that's beyond this. Like this person's schizophrenic and they've got PTSD. Uh, that, and yes. Suicidal. I can't, I don't, this is not, we're not the right fit for that. Correct. Correct. But now let's talk about PTSD. So schizophrenia, uh, all, all the mental illnesses, I, I don't touch it. Huh? That's okay. not, that's not, that's not it. Uh, but if somebody with schizophrenia has emotional difficulties that they want to resolve, like make them, their life even more difficult, then they can, we can help with okay. the emotion. But let's go back to PTSD because that's something which is unfortunately quite common. Mm-hmm. The way that we'll handle PTSD is we will never talk about the trauma of the person that's um, hurtful for the person and that's counterproductive. Mm-hmm. Somebody who comes to see me to work on a PTSD, I will never talk to them about the triggering event. It can be 9-11, it can be uh, on the battlefield, it can be uh, a rape. Never talk about the trauma. Uh, that's not my work. I will ask the person today in your life, what is the repercussion? What is the impact of this trauma today in your life? Mm-hmm. And they'll well, say stuff. What would somebody that was at 9-11 say? That's a good example. Okay. Somebody that example, was there that day. That, and you don't want to say, oh, you don't take them back to that moment. You don't go to their childhood. You don't do that stuff. You're at 9-11. And they, what is the type of thing somebody like that would say in their normal life that they can identify? Well, for example, when I'm in a supermarket, I can't go to supermarkets anymore. Like when I'm in a supermarket and there's people around me, I, I, I can't do it. I, I stop breathing. I, I, I hyperventilate. I have to get out of the supermarket. Or I can't drive anymore. Or every time I hear a uh, fire, fire truck for more than two minutes, I freak out. Right. Or uh, if it's a sexual trauma, I cannot be intimate with my partner. You know, every time she tried to, she tried to touch me, I, I freeze and I can't, I can't connect with her anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, something like that in your life today, what is the problem mm-hmm. from the way you feel today in your life that will give us a window of opportunity to chip at the trauma, one emotion at a time. So it's in, in no way I will say I can heal your depression in one session. No, it's not how it works. You, you, you might have to tackle different, different emotion within this depression, within this PTSD. And there is, a, there is such value for people to do this work in the sense that people usually will do this work, emotional regulation with TP or people who, are, who tried a lot of different things. And they're they, they often tired to speak about their problem. They're often... Uh, um, skeptical, of course, and uh, and just tired yeah. of things not 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 working. But the people who do this who do this work with with uh, emotional regulation with, with TP, uh, they take responsibility for their problem now. Meaning that instead of blaming it on a trauma, they say, okay, today in my life, that's my, that's this problem. That's what I have to deal with today in my life. So they take responsibility for today. Yeah. Whatever happened in the past, past, uh, nothing you can do about it. But today, that's the problem. And we're going to tackle it one at a time. Well, that's, a, that's the, it still leaves us with the biggest problem being most people don't identify and seek help for their problems when we all, we know that how fucked up they are. Clearly, like you should, you got an anger problem, dude. And then, but he, he doesn't admit it. Therefore, he's not going to be able to do that. So that still leaves you with that problem. Um, but on the sure. other side of the skepticism for me would be, 
how if if this effective can't we get some scientific backing for it and why is it not widespread it's not even that easy to find that much stuff there's not even that much stuff on the internet about it it's not even yeah we're working on that uh, we're working on that uh the uh, the study uh, that Luke Nikon did should be peer reviewed by the end of the year. And what is the peer review to... study that, that they're doing? The peer review study that uh, that is happening is about is about the research so as the as the as the base of what TP stands for basically, mm -hmm. or uh, the research of why this work as well or that well. So that should be out by the end of 2018. So I mean, but in general, this is all pretty new. Relatively yeah, speaking. it's absolutely the, the the research went out in 2007. I came to the U.S. to teach this work in 2011. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's all brand new, and all we all I can do in the U.S. is to settle a, a serious and strong base based on results. As you said, you know the proof is in the pudding. You know, so I'm doing as many sessions as I can. I try to collaborate with therapists, with school districts, with universities to really say, hey. This is what's happening. What I, would, what I would want is to find a university or to find a professional that would like to, for example, redo the study here in the U.S. under the, the um, supervision of a university, of a hospital, of a laboratory. I'm not asking for Are you for meeting resistance with schools and hospitals or you're getting their, their – your, was it working? No, with schools, it works great. I mean, universities is more difficult, but uh, school districts, I mean, they see, they see the result on the kids. It's, uh, they, they take it. Now, universities, we have a couple of contacts, but it's sure there's skepticism. And, well, the, the research was made in France. That's why the, my, my goal, my work here in the U.S. is, of course, to communicate about this work, to educate about this work, but also to find collaborations with people that would allow us to I do the study under the supervision. Why are you saying they're biased against French science? They know good scientists in France. You cross the border uh, over to Switzerland and get over maybe to Germany. <laughs> now maybe we'll listen to that, but France, no, thanks. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're bringing that up. No, that's not true. No, that's not what I mean. It's like it's like everywhere, you know. If uh, if the study is made in the U.S., it would be more yeah. uh, more regarded. You know, it's just it's just a normal thing. Is it, is it is it uh, more common or accepted or you, or used by more of the population in France and, and outside in other parts of Western oh. Europe or, or what? France, France, Spain, Germany, Switzerland, Belgium. Uh, this it's it's quite it's quite uh, it's quite wide. We are now in France. We are working in uh, in psychiatric hospitals, uh, in uh, in schools, of course, like we are here. It's it's gaining. A very very serious momentum because you got to face a fact. It's working. Mm -hmm. It's working wonderfully, and it helps. It helps tons of people. We record about ten thousand sessions a month uh, done in Europe, mm -hmm. which is you know it's not a lot, but it's still a still consequent. Well, it's a lot. I mean, one is a lot for one person if it really helps them. So I, you know, it's worth doing in that regard. I wonder if it's the kind of thing where. I don't know. It's it's still. I mean, you know, I, I suppose you're just saying I can try it, right? Like I get irritated. Yes. I'm not a, very much of an angry or sad person. I get frustrated and irritated sometimes. I don't know, I, but I haven't thought about what are the physical sensations. So next time I get really acutely irritated at something that shouldn't be the way that it is, which is the emotion I feel most often about things, then I'm going to try to notice what those physical sensations are because I've never thought. I've never even thought about it. So I will try it. 
and then I'll Perfect. try to remember to report back on the podcast. So that, that's what I think so weird about it is most things, if I follow a skeptical thing to it, they'll be cryptic or they'll depend on, well, you got to do all this stuff first and you got to really buy and do all this stuff. But you're, I mean, you're really laying it out there for, I wouldn't call it scientific, false, false, falsifiability, but but it is at least anecdotally or personally falsifiable because you're telling us do this and you will see that it works. And if I try this next week and it doesn't work, then what, what did it, maybe I didn't do it right or what? Maybe you didn't do it right. Mm -hmm. There's three, uh, I don't know if I should tell you that here because it's, there's not a, I teach this work for free uh -huh. every month. I do a group in San Francisco. It's in two parts. Uh, it's completely free. It's two time, one hour. Mm -hmm. Usually it's a bit longer. Well, that anyway. reflects well on you believe in what you say and not trying to, you know, yeah, capitalize Yeah, absolutely. And why do we do it in, twi in two parts? Because the first time I take an hour to explain specifically how to do it in details, more than we did now. Then people have to practice for two weeks. And then they come back to see me as a group and they share their experiences. What worked, what didn't work, and uh, any question that come up. Mm -hmm. So if, if you're in the Bay Area, go to the website and find, and find out where the, where the free trainings are. And if you, if you try it, there's, there's a couple of things that you need to be, uh, to be aware of, Matt. Uh, when, you pay when you're angry, close your eyes and make sure that you're, you feel okay to close your eyes. Like you're not going to be worried about an actual danger coming to mm -hmm. you or about your wife making fun of you or your kids. When you close your eyes, make sure you're, you're, you're comfortable closing your eyes. Pay attention to your physical sensations, two to three, not only one, two to three sensations. And then you let the sensations evolve mm -hmm. without trying to control them. So don't try to take some deep breath, to stretch, to uh, imagine. No, you don't do anything. And you want to pay attention to the three sensations moving in the same time. Because if you focus on one at a time, you're hyper-focusing. So you want to look at them the two or three sensations that you were able to isolate, you look at them moving until they're done moving. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Interesting. So, you know, the other thing I'd advocate here for people, and I don't mean this to diminish what you do, but I, I, I can't underestimate, I don't think it can be understated how important it is to try to find and identify the, where you have problems because everybody certainly does have them. And then the denying and the escape parts of them is what are holding everybody back. And there's a bunch of different things that obviously can help. And this really could be one. I mean, I, I could certainly see how in at least certain, if not more than I'm willing to concede at this time work, there's got to be a lot of situations where I, it, it sounds very logical that this could be really helpful. But again, you're killing yourself if you can't come to the point to admit you've got a problem or, or try to do the mental work of identifying it or be vulnerable enough to be willing to explore it. Like even those things alone, even if it's just to go to a, you know, psycho Therapist. talk therapy, even to get to that, that there's a study that, that I read about recently that I think they call it the dodo bird uh, effect or something like that where, and it comes from, I don't know, Alice in Wonderland or something. It's like everybody that makes it to, to therapy to some degree is already an introspective person. And that there's like, it's not exactly placebo effect, but there's there's some real stuff that happens in in therapy, and most people that do anything about it report that they've made 
good results there. And they say that the, the type of therapy, they said there's like 500 kinds of therapy, basically. And almost all of them kind of work the same. And the fact that you're doing it and doing it with another person and stuff like that seems to be a very big effect in itself. And so if you don't consider this a therapy, fair enough. And I'm not saying this one's wrong, the other one's right. I, I, but, but just to get to that point alone and then see if this could help you, my gosh, this is a really low-cost thing to try. Like, yeah. And I don't mean cost yeah. even financially, but it doesn't even take a lot of time. You just have to be brave enough to actually be mindful of, you know, your things that you don't know, that you know that you're that are hurting you, which is a little scary, but you're on the right path even asking those questions, I feel like. Yeah, and that's why I'm I'm uh, I'm – interested to work with therapists and coaches because they have a relationship with their clients and they can help them to isolate, to identify their pattern. So you'd be happy if a, you know, a Freudian talk therapist just incorporated some of what you do into their technique. I'd be happy. You'd be happy with that. It's not competitive. Absolutely. It's not competitive. I mean, there's no, when it comes down to helping people, I mean, it's no reason to be competitive. Mm -hmm. There's enough people to help out there to not be competitive. I'm not a therapist. People find me uh, when uh, basically, uh, okay, uh, they don't know what to, what else to, uh, to look for. Uh, it, my goal is not that. My goal is to put this work in the hands of people that work uh, with clients on a daily basis, mm-hmm. coaches, therapists, etc., and do right. the regulations with them. And you don't have any profound or bold scientific claims really to make anyway to push back on, right? You're just saying we've kind of discovered this and it seems to work. And, and if anybody wants to study it, good. You, you believe in it, but, th- you know, you're not, you don't have some big scientific claim or certification or there's nothing. Like I can't find anything to like, you know, be, it's, it's really nice not to have to be skeptical of a bunch of very specific scientific claims to go through them. That's nice to not have to wade through, but you're not, you don't seem to be making many scientific claims. No, no, no. Uh, there is a book uh, that my boss wrote. His last book is called Sensory Reliving, mm-hmm. and you can find that on, uh, on, on, on internet, where he take his work, his research, his study, and tidy it up or link it up with other big names and to, to, um, to put an understanding of on what is happening in the brain and why it's working. So that can be interesting for people to to put this work by TP into a bigger um, paradigm, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I like that. I mean, it's a, it's a unique approach that doesn't smell fishy to me, talking to you or anything like that. So I would give you that, and I'll try it. And I'll tell you what, anybody out there should try it and let me know. Send, y'all, send, y'all try this. I know y'all got emotional problems out there. And then send it, and then send me a message and tell me if you tried this and what the results were, and I'll be glad to um, report back on it because it seems like a quite an easy uh, experiment. And if they want to find try, more, try, TP try. is T-I-P-I is, the, is how that's spelled. Yeah. But what, what do you like people to do if they're interested website-wise or, or, or further mm-hmm. or, or trying to find somebody to help them? Yeah. They can go to uh, T-I-P-I dot, uh, dot pro, P-R-O. That's the official TP website. That's mm-hmm. international. And then they can go on my website, which is a bit more personalized maybe. It's cedricbertelli.com. Okay, and I will link both of those in the show notes here, Cedric. So thank you for spending time with me walking through, just, you know, just whatever my questions are because that's really – it really is born out of just interest. I love thinking about these topics and how stuff works, and I'm no expert or scientist, so it's – I don't know. It's kind of nice to be able to poke around at something like this without having to be definitive exactly but explore other people's uh, experience and ideas, and it just helps me think 
I don't know. It's fun to think about. So I appreciate your time today. And I hope it's helpful to people. I really think it could be. You know, uh, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for taking me in the show. I mean, uh, you didn't know much about what we were doing. You didn't know mm -hmm. anything about me. And, and uh, so thank you very much for doing that. And yes, I can only tell people, try it. Try it. By yourself. If, you, if you try it once, it doesn't work. Okay. Well, that's time. the first time you made your shoelace, did it work? Probably not. Try it the second time. It's simple. Your body is wiring, is wired to do that. Just try it. All and right. thank you for the opportunity. And that was a great conversation. I loved it. Thank Good. you. I appreciate it very much. Y'all, my Twitter is at Zod Carter, Z-O-D-C-A-R-T-E-R. -E Send me a message. Hit me there and tell me if you've tried this and how it worked. I'd, I'd love to hear it. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hi, I'm Emma. And I'm Joe. And, and we're, we're the, the Professional, professional Book, Book Nerds. Nerds. Two Mondays a month, we interview authors and talk about their upcoming books, what drives them, and their go-to order at the cafe. On Thursdays, we share recommendations and dive into topics readers face, like how do I actually read the books on my to-be-read list? You can find the Professional Book Nerds podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn more about us? Our website is professionalbooknerds.com, and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. We hope you'll come and listen, and as always, happy, happy reading! reading.